If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Janice Ashwood. Some people might know Janice from her horse Taviscop Miska and the Asherettes. Janice is a dressage specialist, coach, trainer, competitor. She's competed up to Grand Prix on seven different Grand Prix horses, and she's got students training to Grand Prix as well. How are you today, Janice? I'm fine, thanks, Janice. <laughs> That's good. Now, Janice, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? I've got a couple, actually. Good. Um, and they're things that shape my thinking a bit, and they're also two that I use all the time when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. And one is that with tension, there is no dressage, and I can't remember who said it. I stole it from someone years ago. <laughs> and the other one is just a quote of the FEI rule that contact is what the horse takes when the rider drives it forward to the hand. And I use both of those all the time because I, I don't like a lot of what I see put that way. Yes, and I think that's good reminding us about what contact is. Yeah, that's the FEI definition. Yeah. And um yeah, and that's what you try, very difficult to get, but that's what you sort of work on your whole life, I think. Yes, yes. Do you remember your very first memory with horses, you know, very first time or just a very early memory? Why, yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I was taken as a toddler on the front of the saddle um, to get the cows in. Okay. My Mother's family were on the land at Gundagai, and I had a, and I can remember my uncle sitting me up. I could, don't even know if I could walk, and sitting up on the front of the saddle, going out to get the cows in. Well, well, that's where, that's where the rocks fit in, right from an early age. <laughs> okay, then. Now, a long time from there to where you are now. You know, I'm thinking about when you first left school, when you. You know, going through, were you always going to do something with horses? Was that always on the cards or not? No, always I always the... had horses. Mm. I always, I even had a horse at school when we lived in the city. Yep. I was lucky enough to win two scholarships that my father needed me for, and they, my parents foolishly said, you can do whatever you like with the, 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 the secondary school, with one of them. So I went out and bought a horse, and we were six <laughs> miles BPO. Okay. That was, that was Mishka's mother. Yep. Actually, yep, and uh, so I always had them. I had them through uni and stuff. But no, I didn't ever. I didn't ever really think that I would do it full time, mainly because of the expense. 
Were there careers, you know, thinking about when you left school? I mean, if you talk to, I know when I talked to the guidance officer, they just said, you know, didn't see past being a stable hand. You know, that wasn't really oh, a yes, career yes. with And us. there actually weren't. There mm, actually mm. weren't many opportunities either. Yeah, then. Yeah. No, no, I just I just went to university and uh, and, um, and then I ended up being a, a school teacher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had the horses as my hobby. I did a bit of teaching on the weekends and uh, I was into showing and all sorts of things, you know, breeding, showing, bit of jumping, bit of this, bit of that, western, everything. And... It was halfway through my teaching career that I decided I wanted to do something else. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. And when I got rid of my mortgage, mm-hmm. I, I sold a property and, moved and and cleared my mortgage and bought the second property. Okay. And then I thought without a mortgage, I was going to give it a go. Yes. Yes. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> Tell me about if someone wants to work in the horse industry. You know, like there's a lot more variety now in the horse industry than was there was when you started. Yeah. You know, a lot more jobs, a lot more different occupations, both with horses and having direct contact with horses, but as horses as a secondary thing too, you know, so that they're industries that complement the horse industry. That's right. If someone's going to work with horses, what do you think are the core skills or character traits that they need? Well, they... Um... I, ha- I used to have a few work ex- uh, kids that do work experience at school. So okay. I'd have them for a week. Yes. And they, you know, they're 16. They all have, they all think we still have a property and I'll ride horses and train horses and represent Australia at Olympics. Yep. And which is a wonderful dream to have. But when we sat down and did the economics of it, I could say, you know, you're better off being a lawyer and have a horse part time mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. until you've got a high profile. And so if people actually want to do the riding and showing bit, yep. they have to have a high profile first or have very wealthy parents. It's a very, it's still a very hard way to make your living. The, all the ancillary stuff, um, I'm not 100% familiar with. Yep. But, there, uh, you know, I know people that do, uh, you know, chiropractory and massage and stuff mm, like that. Mm. But I'm not sure how you become skilled enough in that to earn a decent living, to pay for a car and buy a property and think, pay a mortgage and things like that. So I, I usually recommend to kids that they do that part-time until mm-hmm. they are sure that they're out of debt and they can possibly make a living. So start to work with horses part-time. Yeah, yeah to work yeah. with horses. Unless you want to be a stable hand, fine. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, but yeah. if you want something, if you want to actually you know, live a sort of comfortable life, not that it's all that comfortable, or if you want to, you know, if you want to do the, have the own property, have the car, do the shows, things like that. To be successful in whatever you choose, you've got to have a fairly high profile so be, and a few skills, and uh, which means you've been doing it for a while. I think too, you know, some people think that I'll just go out and become a coach, and that's great. Yeah. But remembering too that when they first get their first qualification, that's their first qualification, and that's the step to learning more about horses. There's always stuff to learn more about horses. Oh. And, uh, you know, you're not going to, as you say, step off the block and go into a well-paying, high-profile job. You've got to actually yeah. put the hours in and learn more yeah. and get those get yeah, those miles yeah, in before right. you can... Um, and I don't think the concepts of dressage, anyway, um, mm. are things you explore your entire life. I still... I do a bit of training with some international guys that come out and you have an epiphany every time you have a lesson, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, or something clarified that you've been 
working with for 40 years. Yes. And I don't think it ever changes. I think you just get it all as you die, basically. It'd be a bit boring if it did, though, wouldn't it? Uh, would, you know? yeah. 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 And, yeah. and it's basically simple, but it's not easy mm. to do it well, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my big thing is that doing it well means that the horse stays relaxed. Yes. And wants to do it. Yes. That's my big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, which is where the, the, the you know, tension equals not dressage. Yes, yes. To me, that's to me. That's my that's my personal thing and yeah. um, that I'm sort of fanatical about. And if your horse is relaxed, then you can train any horse to Grand Prix and they'll do it for 20 years if they stay sound. Yep, yep. And we, we see a lot of tension out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry, working with horses? Oh, the animal, yeah, pure and simply the animal. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, they are they're pretty amazing animals. I still cannot work out why they get on a float for us, <laughs> why they let us put a saddle on yep. and ride them around. Yeah. So I think I think it's just the animal, mm-hmm. and that's what should draw you to it in the first place. Yes, yes. And it doesn't matter what breed it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. You know, it's they're a very interesting animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about someone who's influenced you. Oh, so many people. Um, The very first one, however, I could tell you, I used to watch horses being broken in in the bush and while they weren't sort of damaged, I noticed that they were usually stressed. Mm -hmm. And I'm a bit of a reader and I got onto the books of Maurice Wright, who Ah, did Jeff Spain, and I found that amazing. And, Mm -hmm. um, And I started, you know, breaking in horses quite young and having a go anyway and catching foals that had been caught and all that sort of stuff. And that whole way of approaching a horse appealed to me and and it worked. Um, And so they didn't have to be exhausted and and eyeballs rolling and sweat pouring off them, et cetera, to get them to accept a saddle bridle and a rider. And I think that's probably very influential. And then as I started to want to do dressage and stuff, um, I think um, the first really influential book was Riding Logic. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've just, I've sort of, I just avowed them all. I love Kira Kirkland's books. I love Carl Hester's philosophy. Um, they're all basically pretty much the same. And as an ancillary to that too, I actually... I'm a friend of Monty Roberts. I got to know him. I ride for him when he comes out to Australia, and we got on like we get on like a house on fire. Good. And for the same reasons, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's been a yeah. terrific journey actually with Monty. Yep. So, yep. Um, that, uh, yeah. So it's all all part and parcel of the same thing. Yes, yes, it is, isn't it? It's all about finding that common communication where you can yeah. communicate with the horse, but they've got time to communicate back to you with what works yeah, for them. Yeah. 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 Morris Wright's book was The Thinking Horseman. Is that the one? I can't even remember. Mm. I, um, and I think he did the Jeffrey Method as well. I think it might be a book. I'd have to go out and look at my, my oh, library. Of course. No, no, no. It, what yeah. was? It was called The Jeffrey Method, yes. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, he's, he, yeah. Promoted, yeah, he promoted the, the Jeffrey, Jeffrey Method. Method. And I saw yeah. him somewhere. I can't even remember. I saw him give a demo and I was just wrapped. Tell me, when he did the demo – because I've heard that it was a bit of a trick in the book. Oh, you saw Morris Wright or you saw Kel Jeffrey do yeah, the demo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because apparently when Kel Jeffrey did the demo, mm. you know, someone saw it or Morris saw it the very first time 
And they said they had a young horse and as he was getting on, the bucket tipped over and the horse didn't move, right? But apparently yeah. he used to do that all the time. You know, he had the horse he yeah, knew. Yeah, we've got a very good baker near me, yeah. almost yep. retiring. I say I always say he's 75% horse. Yep. And he hops on these horses for the first time on a five-gallon bucket and yep. he always falls over. Yes. And they yep. don't move. Yes. They do not move. Yeah. 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 Or they might step sideways and he just puts it up again and gets back up on it. And he, he does that. And he's a brilliant horseman. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we get on very well together too. Because uh, yeah. a little bit the same sort of attitude, mm-hmm. just without all the fancy tricks. Yep. Yep. That are required in dressage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Tell us about, you've had seven Grand Prix horses. Tell us about the one who's influenced you the most. I think I've managed to compete on seven. Yeah. Um, Basically, horses just came my way. Okay. Um, Yeah, or other people's horses, yeah. If you had to pick one of them, which one influenced your career the most? I don't know. Um, The first couple I had, like like little Mishka, he was almost too clever. He was cleverer than me. He somehow picked up what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But the one I had, Nelson, who was a total lunatic, and people can remember him, um, and I had to learn how not to offend or frighten him. Okay. He probably made me think the most mm-hmm. because he was sort of a bit dangerous, um, dangerous to do anything with, dangerous to shoe, float. Um, panicked, just went panicked. Had never grew up from a foal, um, but it was 17 hands and very powerful. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the fact that I, I wouldn't even bother with a horse like that now, but uh, when you're young, you think you can do it. And um, I think he probably actually taught me the most. Okay. Patience, try, you know, plan number 365, <laughs> doesn't work, move yes. on to the next one. Um, but I got that. I could actually, he could actually do all the stuff. He just could not cope with the world, travel, stables, things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, he probably, he probably did teach me the most. Okay. Even though it was so frustrating and so hard. Okay. And he ended up, um, he died quite young. He got, uh, he found it. He stress found it, um, which was most unusual in you know, a big warm blood mm-hmm. like that. And end up, it ended up killing him. But. Um, yeah, no, I think probably because even my farrier had to change his attitude to oh, shoot this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was very interesting. <laughs> a lot of people will remember him too. <laughs> when he died, I got so many cards. Yeah, oh, because nice. yep. you, yeah. you, you couldn't miss him. He was very impressive, but he was yes. very erratic. Yeah. 
But uh, is it you need patience? And he taught it. But prior to him, I thought, yeah, I could do anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Oh, I don't know about proud. You have, you have, you, know, you ride horses, you have really good highs and you have really big lows. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, especially in dressage, you never know what mark you're going to get in dressage until you look at the scoreboard. <laughs> so you can be very happy with your test and, and it scores badly and you can be, think you've just done the worst test you've ever done and you can win. Um, so, oh, it's hard to know. The highs and lows, I think you feel great when you do, when you feel you've, you've managed a pretty okay sort of a test. Yep. But I yep. don't know that proud is a word that, if you yeah, if you think you start getting proud, mm. you crash badly. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think you can have you can have really delightful moments and you can feel pretty good, but you must never get too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a funny old life. Yes. Yes. Seven Grand Prix horses. That's a fair few. What do you think's been your biggest challenge? to riding that many, competing on that many, having that many? I shouldn't say that because the the riding and competing are irrelevant when you say getting seven horses to Grand Prix level. What do you think your biggest challenge has been? Yeah, I just think they can all do it. They can't Mm -hmm. all do it brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to have the the fabulous horse with fabulous movement, especially these days. Yep. And some of these horses are pretty ordinary. I just think you just start training them and, and if you can keep them relaxed and it's a couple of steps forward, a couple of steps back, um, and you, you just sit here to the basic principles, uh, which are all written down, it's all been worked out, it's yep. not nothing It's nothing new. It's in every book and um, every video that you see on training, um, the training scale, you know, and it's rhythm and looseness and relaxation, number one and two. Um, I think if you just keep that in mind, you can make lots of mistakes if your horse stays, it doesn't want to kill you. And you just sort of plod along. I just plod along, really. And mm-hmm. I think they all can learn to do it. And I just get a little bit of a buzz out of the training. Um, I'm not the best competitor. I I don't often don't do really good tests. Um, I just I haven't got that sort of right attitude towards competing, I don't think. But, uh, no, I just enjoy – I can't help myself, really. I just, I just enjoy training them and I just keep going. Mm-hmm. And even and some of the most unlikely horses end up doing the stuff, and you never know which one's going to be good and bad at, at different um, movements until you try it. So I just start and just keep going, okay. and I encourage people to do that. So, you know, keep your horse happy. He'll just he'll you have ups and downs, of course, and you go backwards and forwards, um, but the horse will try for you, and um, and then you just plod along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I've never had the luxury of being able to travel much or go out and buy something really special. Mm-hmm. And I'm past it now, so that that's so I just had to deal with what I had. Okay. okay, but it's been it's been an interesting journey, and I think that helps with your teaching anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't matter if someone turns up on a Shetland pony; you you try to get them to go the same according to the same principles. That's how I look at it anyway. Thinking about you know, someone turning up on a Shetland pony or, or thinking about all your students, what do you think is the most common fault that you see with them? Thinking that the horse knows what to do and just yep. doesn't choose to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, they're calling, you know, I read 
To me, a horse that's hot is a horse that has too many rugs on. I don't. I think it is a horse is tense or frightened, or it can be a bit lazy, it can be a bit goey, all those things. But mm. I reject the word hot unless they are sweating. Okay. And I think we use a lot of words, a lot of expressions, and a lot of phrases so that we don't have to admit that our horse is tense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the big cure. Um, in that's, I think that's what you know stops horses advancing and people. And yes, you can believe your horse is thinking the night before that he's going to you know refuse <laughs> to go left or something. Mm. But they actually don't. They can't. Mm. And if the horses were that clever, they wouldn't let us near them. I don't think. So I think that's and also being patient. It takes a long time. Okay. And everybody's in a mad hurry, and people are proud of the fact that they're. You know, they've rushed them through. So, um, you know, I think with people, just getting to understand the animal a little bit. But most of my clients now, because I can pick and choose a bit now and I'm cutting down on numbers, are people that want to sort of enjoy their horse. Yep. And and they're, the, they're my main – and they want the horse to go happily. So they're my main clients these days. Okay. So it's quite a pleasant thing to mm-hmm. teach them. And mm-hmm. the people who, you know, believe the horses are bad or want to fight them, Definitely, you know, I just sort of say, well, we've got a, our philosophy is different. Um, try someone else, and you know, but if you want to change mind and come back, I'm always, I'm here, and that's so that's my attitude too. Yeah. I think you know, people, you, you find you don't go to an instructor and try and change his or her philosophy. You mm-hmm. go to someone who has the same one. But so I've got a pretty, I've got a lovely clientele actually, okay. um, and they sort of find they we find each other a little bit. Yes, and, okay, and and. and and the other, the other thing, and I say to people too, because a lot of people compete, want to compete, but we put so much weight on competition. Mm. Um, put a whole lot of weight on the five minutes or so that we spend in an arena. And, and I, t- I try to impress on people that if you do a bad test, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad rider. It might be. Mm. But it, it's not automatic. You can just have done a bad test. Yep. And it's not a moral judgment. So it should not destroy your entire day, week, year, or life. And there are some people that are very excellent test riders, and there are some that aren't so good, but they can still enjoy the riding of the horse and just try to do better things that don't lose you so many marks. Mm-hmm. So I often think we equate good rider with good test. And sometimes morally, you know, better person with good rider. Yep. And there's sort of no connection, really. So riding, I use the test and I want to, you know, as a test, you're going to find out what you've got to fix. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find out why you gave marks away. And um, But it's not a moral judgment. Yep. Because especially some kids, they get really upset if they've done a bad test and they think their life's about be over <laughs> yes or that yes. they must be a bad rider mm. um not not you know not necessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's and i think that that all goes in with the same sort of attitude okay but i'm not one who thinks that you stay at home and don't go out and that's somehow a pure form of horsemanship i don't think that either no no i think a test is a test and it's a very good name for it yep yep and something that you said about, you know, you, it takes a long time and um, sometimes you've got to teach the riders that. What do you say to the riders that 
say, well, you know, I've got plans to get this horse to medium by, the, you know, by the end of the year and that's what it's going to be. I mean, do you keep teaching? We have a talk to them. What do you? I say maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can have all sorts of aims and objectives, but you must be governed by the whether you progress or not on your horse. Yep. Um, yeah. In other words, you know, if you're going, if you want to go and compete medium, you really should be working advance and George. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't go, you're not going out hoping stuff happens. Yep. You reduce the odds of things going badly. But when you, you know, when you're taking your first horse through, you don't really want to think like that. And I can understand that too. But mm. you can, you just talk as the, you know, the wise old person who's made all those mistakes. <laughs> Okay. And some people listen and some people don't. That's yes. Awesome. yes, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but we do put a lot, of, and I don't know that I've got a lot of clients from actual results, um, and I've had a few really good horses that I've ridden. Um, it's more from way of riding and stuff um, that I've got, um, got the clients. And some of the people I teach that are full-time rider instructors find the same thing. So. Being out in public is a little bit your, your advertisement for yourself, um, but not always. The blue ribbon doesn't always guarantee its client. Some people just look to a way of going or a way of handling horses. I think that's what they tell me anyway. So that's the way it's been most of my life. So consequently, I've never, I've never advertised. I've never had to advertise. Okay, good. good. Uh, if you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. So you talked about Morris Wright, Jeffrey Method, Kira Kirkland, yeah. Carl Hester, Monty yeah. Roberts. Yeah. Any other books that you wanted to mention or authors? Ah, uh, they probably are. But now that you've said, I can't think of a single one. But I've, got, <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got, the, I've got um, Franz Mayringer's book. Yep. Which is, which is the same philosophy. Mm-hmm. They all they all they all preach the same message actually. And um, and at one stage when I went through my Western phase, yep. uh, on the on, on Little Mishka who was so then doing a FI, yep. we decided to go Western. Um, yep. I read read some of the Western books, and um, while what you see today is often not what I like, the training and stuff behind that was pretty much the same. Uh, just a little bit of different concept of, of context. But the attitude to the horse was pretty much the same. And I you know, I had to go to venting and I did all that sort of stuff. And so I read, I used to read people who were involved in that particular sort. sort. Pat Smythe, remember Pat Smythe? We're going back a long way. And I'm just trying to think of something recent. If there's two titles at me, I'd probably know them. But in t- uh, those, all the ones I've mentioned are ones that formed I think my way of thinking, and and what I read now, I read articles that come up on online all the time, and generally you just say yeah 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 that's right. So uh, it, it all goes back to those original titles I think, and Carl Hester of course he's a man of the moment, and I and I just love his delivery and I love his attitude, and um, so I went and got his book and read that too, and I love clicker training, play with that. I love Georgia Bruce's book. I've got. I've lent that to someone, and um, so, so and, and the latest one I read was oh, what's his name? 
He's a breaker, just written a book about breaking. I can't even think of his name, uh, but it's terrific. Davis. Davis. Um, and it's about breaking in and training, and it's terrific too. It's, you know, it's sort of handling them without fear. So, um, yeah, I think basically the message and all those good things is pretty much the same. And remember, you can find all the books recommended by our guests at horsechats.com slash books. You can have a look at the guest page for the individual book they recommended or just look at the recommended books by order of popularity at horsechats.com slash books. Now, Janice, what are you looking forward to now? I know you've said you've got a Grand Prix horse in the paddock that you, you're riding. You, um, you're going to start competing him again. What else are you looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, no, I've got a little Spanish horse that mm-hmm. um, um, was, in, uh, was imported, belonged to a client, and she gave him to me. Because I can't, I've damaged my back to in a car accident and I fell off a horse. And I can only have a narrow horse now, a little one. Yep. Um, he's, he's terrific. He's a character. He's terrific. Mm-hmm. But really, I just sort of think day to day, I'd like to do, actually do a little bit of travel and stuff. But, yep. um, yeah, I'm sort of – I'm really thinking that um, just I'm just letting the business run down a bit and, yep. yeah, and I, I'm sort of – and I, but I just ride. I ride mm-hmm. him when, I, when my body lets me and I prob- I'll probably end up going out because I can't help myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I go to, I've got a, a very lovely, beautiful horse, Orlando, that uh, Sally Quigley rides for me. Mm-hmm. And I, so I go to lots of shows and things. But I'm, I, these days I clean the socks. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, just in a couple of sentences, can you sum up your philosophy with horses? Um, it's hard to su- summarise, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I sort of think maybe I've said it all. I think my philosophy is that you try to work with the animal rather than against it. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you don't ask a lot, but I think you've just got to recognise when the animal gets a bit scared or a bit tense or a bit confused and take it on yourself. And then you can sort out the issue. Okay. I mean, I, um, I think for my teaching days, I think you don't bash a kid to make it read a book. <laughs> it yes. doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's probably my overall philosophy. And people think, um, I've had someone once say to me that it's a lovey-dovey approach, but it's not. You know, very strict disciplinarian because they're big things that can actually damage you. Yes. But you've just just got to be a bit fair, I think. Or, we don't, or not kid yourself as to why an animal's misbehaving in, in, in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. That's, and I think that just keeps you safe and sound. Yep. And, uh, and I think ultimately you enjoy it a bit more. Yes, yes. Which we should. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. How can people contact you, Janice? Because we'll have a page for you and it'll be horsechats.com slash Janice Usherwood. Or if people go to horsechats.com, search for Janice or search for Usherwood, they'll find you. But give us your contact details so that um, we can put those on the page. Uh, well, I've, my email address mm. is just because uh, I don't have a card or anything. Um, I don't have a website. Um, I've got a Facebook page under yep. my name. And which is where I do most of my communicating these days. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, an email which is just J Usherwood, all small, all one word, at um, bigpond.com. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll put those details. And can I finish off with one other thing I say sure. to everybody? Um, that when you get off school, from, when you get off from schooling your horse, the only thing that should hurt is your brain. <laughs> That's what I. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
I say that to everyone. I say that a lot too. People get really sick of it. I think that's a good message to leave people on. So I just want to say thanks very much and uh, thanks for chatting to us and lovely to talk to you. My pleasure. Hope to see you one day, maybe. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.